Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at BetOnline.ag. The NBA is right around the corner, and right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play. And BetOnline has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com and Bleacher Report, Preston Ellis. Today, I am going to one. Oh, it looks like David Grubb's in the waiting room, so he'll be joining us shortly. I know, coming through in the clutch. Uh, He he waited to bring out the big guns. He's kind of like Zion. He's getting here at the last possible minute just when we need him most. But uh, before we get to Mr. Zion Grubb, let's start with our friend Impatient Bull. And Chris, I've had you on this podcast probably a dozen times before, but I don't know if I've ever asked you where Impatient Bull originated from. I think it's it's, it's very simple, man. Uh, my zodiac sign is a Taurus. Uh, we're naturally impatient. I'm impatient. Impatient Bull. It all goes together. I got you, man. That's pretty sweet. We also have here the man who always goes hard in the paint. Uh, you weren't here to listen, David, but Chris was just making fun of you, man. It was really inappropriate Wait, behavior. what? Mr. David Grubb. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, man. I mean, we were going back and forth about Nick's jokes and all that. <laughs> Preston started it, man. Do y'all do this when I'm not around? And I We didn't think it. you were coming. There are so many things in the timeline, and I see it every time I turn my back. You guys are trying to, like, just ether me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know st- I'm old, but geez, man, take it easy. <laughs> well, since David has decided to grace us with his presence, we'll go ahead and start with the man of the hour, Mr. Christopher Connor. Chris, we beat the Milwaukee Bucks. We're eight and zero in games that don't matter. Chris, how confident are you feeling right now? Uh, not at all. <laughs> not, I mean, it's you know, listen, man, it's preseason, it's scrimmage games. Um, you know, we've seen these type of performances from the from the Pelicans in the past. Over the past, but I mean, it's summer league and all, all these different types of exhibitions. Um, I think more than anything, you know, you try to gather smaller details that you think may play into the games that that will matter versus what you're seeing mm-hmm. out there against some guys that may not be playing large uh, holds of minutes. But um, yeah, man, I I think when it's all when it's all said and done. They showed some good things defensively. They showed fight. They showed resilience. And 
I think more than anything for me that watching the team's tendencies, good and bad, being reminded of what they are and what you have to be looking forward to, them standing up to Milwaukee, making certain adjustments that I didn't expect them to make. I think that there were smaller details that you can grasp from it, but the win and loss record, man, throw that out the window. When when thir- when Thursday pops off, when it's time to get these real games going, none of that matters, man. Um, but it's good to see them beat Milwaukee. And, I mean, it looks like piss coach Coach B off over there in Milwaukee. He played his starters a little bit longer. I think he wanted to. Uh, David, I think we won the three games. I'm doing this out of my head by a combined like 23 points per game. However, like Christopher said, uh, none of this really matters. Uh, David, do you think there's any real tangible benefit to playing preseason games? I mean, usually we do it, you know, to get fans into the arena to sell some tickets, maybe get these guys to run up up the floor a few times. But what are some real benefits to doing this? Well, I think you do learn something about your team. Um, Unlike Chris, you know, the first two games, I took absolutely nothing of to make me excited. I just wanted to see them look like a basketball team. And like similar to the team that had left. And I think that's the benefit for them was getting out on the floor. And the groups weren't really as unique as I thought that they were going to be. Alvin really didn't experiment as much as I thought he would. We had seen a lot of those lineups play together. And I think obviously not having Zion kind of made that so. Um, But yeah, I think those are the big things that they needed to be able to that. Okay, that's it's carried over it the mental part hasn't changed. We didn't forget what we were doing when we were playing well, because most of those things looked like they were there. The starters looked like they looked when they left the backups. You're encouraged that they can do things, but you're not counting on them to give you 73 like they did against the bucks. So, I mean, that to me is that, you know, they're healthy, you know, they're committed. Like I said, mentally they were resilient and physically they look prepared. Uh, I, I want to get into some some minute details of some stuff that we did see and what it might mean to you, Chris. Uh, and I want to start with Jackson Hayes and Derek Favors. Number one, Jackson Hayes, uh, I'm going to do this off the top of my head, but I think he probably played more than all but four or five players throughout these three games. They really gave him significant run uh, at that five spot and even for a short stints at the four. Uh, whereas Derek Favors, I don't know that I saw him run a single pick and roll in these three scrimmages. And that's something that he does pretty often, specifically with Drew Holiday. Uh, what did you take away from the minutes from those two big uh, bigs? What did you learn? Well, for Derek Favors, I mean, I, I just think you just want to see him out there, you know, with, with him not really playing playing much or playing at all in the first two the first two games. You just want to see him out there, uh, getting getting himself together and getting ready for uh, these these next eight upcoming games. That's the only thing I was worried about with Favors. Um, I mean, for the most part, I didn't expect him to get into a whole bunch of a whole bunch of sets with this team. And I, I'm with you when Zion was out in particular, they ran a lot of pick and rolls, specifically with with Brandon Ingram and Favors. I think you would have liked to see more of that, but um, I mean, those guys went out there and just and just played basketball. I'm okay with Favors. I think he's going to be all right. I'm not I'm not concerned about him. He's a professional. I think he'll be ready when it's when it's time. Um, in regards to Jackson Hayes, I mean, listen, I I. I, I didn't see much of Jackson outside of that mid-range jumper than that I didn't see before uh, the season was suspended. With Jackson, it's the small details, the 
basketball IQ related things, him processing the game, slowing things down, doing the little things like boxing out and putting himself in better situation and simply getting stronger. Now, I think Milwaukee is a perfect test for someone like that, for him to get heavy minutes against those assortment of bigs that they have over there and, you know, continuing to bang with those guys and, and, and be forced to be put in tough positions to have to make plays. And sometimes he did in regards to grabbing rebounds. We saw him flash in the lane. We saw him do a few things, but nothing I think that was spectacular. Um, but nothing's changed with Jackson. We got to continue seeing see him getting getting reps. And I don't know if it's going to be how much it's going to be in these games and how big of a factor he's going to play. But I think for Jackson, you know, every minute means something. And I just hope that he's taking it and really using it to get better. But I think down the line in an off season of a full strength and conditioning program and having a chance to work on a slower and, you know, the mental aspect of things, um, or maybe seeing it from the sideline is what you hope is going to make a difference for his game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was a pretty uh, comprehensive answer. I don't think we need to follow up on those two guys. However, uh, I do want to talk about somebody you mentioned a little bit earlier, Zion, and filling that void at the four. Grub, uh, it was reported today that Zion might be eligible for practice on Wednesday, one day before their opening uh, night game against the Utah Jazz. Uh, I, I don't know where he is in terms of conditioning. That's something we've uh, discussed before. But just in terms of uh, his timeline, only having about 24 hours to prepare for this game, do you think uh, that he's going to viably start in this game, or would you anticipate Gentry's probably going to bring him off the bench? No, he's going to start. He's going to start because I think they want him right out the box. The things that he does are seamless because he can attack the offensive glass, because he can run the floor, because he can you know be a physical presence and, and allow the Pelicans to protect the rim in some ways and cut off the drives. So I think you don't have to write up a ton of stuff for Zion. So put him out there as a starter. You don't have to worry about his, uh, uh, you know, you want him warm. You want him off the bench to start, I think, physically. And I think mentally, you want him engaged from the opening tip. And I think that's the way you do it. Great. All right. So uh, we'll continue that that thought. Uh, Chris, would you anticipate him? I, I can't remember what he averaged uh, over the course of a season. I think it was like 28 and a half minutes per game or something around that threshold. Where do you see him in his first game back? Do you think they just go right into that threshold? Do you think they scale it back kind of where his first like two weeks were where he was around like that 22, 23 minute mark? No, no. I mean, with him not with him not returning from any type of injury that we that we know of, um, I, I don't see them really holding him back. Now, I don't think he's going to go out there and play 40 minutes or anything like that. But I, I think somewhere in between that 25 to 30 minute range, or, I mean, we know Alvin, you know, he's, he's going to play it by ear. If Zion goes out there and he doesn't look right, he doesn't look like himself. If he looks winded, uh, you know, you could see him maybe, maybe pull back. But if, if he's going out there and he's playing at a, at a very high level, which I expect him to do, um, then you'll see him play out there a little bit longer. But I, I don't think this action is going to have any effect on what they what they plan to do with Zion unless he goes out there and doesn't look like himself. And I mean, with the dedication that he's put in during this break, I don't see why that won't be the case. I think he'll be right and uh, they'll throw him right out there. He'll be ready to go.
All right. We've been pretty hard on the young guys, Grub, uh, on our recent podcast and their performance, uh, speaking specifically of uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Frank Jackson, and Kenrich Williams. Did you, did you see any improvement uh, in this game? Anything that, that makes you think that maybe one of these guys might get some spot minutes, kind of like how Frank did from time to time during the regular season? Frank will get minutes. Frank played aggressively enough, um, in mm-hmm. the, especially in the last two games, to get minutes. Uh, and I would, I would, you look at him and I think you look at him and I think he gives you the best option for somebody. If you're looking for a spark, if they need a spark out of that group, I think you would go with Frank, um, because Nikhil still is doing Nikhil type things. He is not aware of tempo. He's not really aware of when to shoot. He loves the three way too much. He, even though he's longer, he's still not physical at the rim. So I don't think you can trust him uh, in these games that are so important not to turn the ball over or not to, to make a bad shot. Um, and, and so you can't have him as a primary ball handler. And then for Kenrich, yeah, he got a couple rebounds, and it's fantastic. And, yeah, he dives on the floor. Awesome. He had one <laughs> basket that he actually had to get use effort to get. The other one was a hand-delivered gift from Drew Holiday. It's, if you can give nothing – Nothing offensively, not not an assist, not you know. I mean, there was nothing on that side. What about of the a screen assist? Warrant. No, no, no. I don't <laughs> care. No, there are enough guys who can do that. I mean, I would give Sindarius Thornwell a more minutes than I would give Kenrich. He showed more on both ends at the and I just Kenrich is just too limited. He's just too limited. All right, uh, let's go back to Chris on that same topic. We know who our guys off the bench are. Josh Hart, J.J. Redick, Nicolo Melli. I, I think this is probably the first time this season that we've been like certainly pretty definitive about who those three guys are. I think the Melli position has gone from him to Kenrich Williams to Jaleel Okafor to Jackson Hayes. Now I think they're solidified. However, if you do need a ninth man, even a tenth man, Chris, where are you going? Did we did we mention each one more already or no? No. No, no. Okay, no. okay well... All right, so wait, the the first thing I want to say is I don't think I've ever heard uh, Grub give Frank Jackson a compliment. Was that – are you saying you kind of like what you saw from Frank Jackson, Grub? Is that – In those two games, yes. Uh-huh. Wow. Am I sold great. on Frank Jackson? No. That's not, Am, that's, not, I, that's not what I meant. I just wanted nope. to see if you <laughs> – okay, He played so, well in both uh, games. Oh, oh, okay. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Um, Yeah, I mean, well, I think – each one would be the would be the first guy uh, for me personally. I mean, Frank gives you a little bit more bounce, but I feel like in these type of games, I mean, I'm going to want a guy in which I can completely count on um, someone that I can trust in regards to their role and what I'm going to ask them to do. I know that, I mean, that's who I would pick, but I have a feeling that Alvin's going to pick Frank if we had to go, I mean, if we'll say nine, 10, it's going to be those guys, but I think Alvin would probably put Frank above each one. I mean, he's always had some type of love for Frank. You know, he likes the fact that Frank goes out there and fights and whether he's 0 for 10 or he's, you know, 10 for 10, Frank's going to continue to go out there and, and shoot and make attempts and try to Who make plays. Who was he 10 for 10? I, I mean, <laughs> in summer league, summer league a couple years ago, it, it, it happened probably, uh, but and you know I mean Frank against smaller guards against teams that 
that have smaller reserve guards. He can go out there and, you know, defend a little bit. He can give effort. He's not going to shut anyone down, but he's going to go out there and give you pretty much everything he has for whatever that is worth. So those are, those are the two guys that I'd see. And if I had to bet on who Allen would pick, it would be Frankie. Frankie G.A. All right, let's get to a game preview of the Utah Jazz. Before we do that, I just want to give a, a quick uh, rundown memory lane of Frank Jackson. Ollie and Kevin and I went to a practice at a local high school facility. I think it was two years ago during summer league. Uh, it was after, I, I can't remember, but he was being held out for his ankle. And during practice, we came in and everybody was super serious. Of course, Trevon Blewett and Walt Lemon uh, were speaking to us because they were the guys who were really standing out. And Frank was on one side of the gym by himself. He had two of those orange road cones on each of his hands, and he was practicing jump shots with giant road cones on his hands. Uh, and, and since that point, I, I, I just, I don't know. That's what I always associated with him with. Anytime he like goes up and down the floor, what if he had two road cones on his hand and he's taking the shot? And whenever he has an air ball or something, I'm like, that's because he practices with road cones. Anyway, we're talking about the Utah Jazz. <laughs> I probably could have told that story a little bit better. I needed, I needed Kevin's no, assist on that. Just, no, no. As it was, it, was, <laughs> it, it explains so much. As it was. Wow. It was just fine. Because now I start thinking like, oh, did he miss that shot because he didn't have the road cones on? Maybe if he had the road cones on, he would be a bit more efficient from the corner. Anyway, uh, back back on the topic. We're playing the Utah Jazz. Boyan Bogdanovich isn't going to be there. Of course, this isn't as critical a game for the Jazz is as it is for the Pelicans. David, when the Pelicans came out against the Bucks, it's not a real game, but they still fell behind early, 11-zip. Uh, of course, they climbed back into it. But But on Thursday night, do you expect the Pelicans are going to have their, their foot on the pedal and just like go straight uh, blood in the water after the Utah Jazz right from the opening tip? I would because, look, the fact of those three games is the Pelicans could have won all three. Those are, all of them were two possession games. And the one that we'll all talk about, of course, is, is Brandon Ingram getting fouled on the drive. Um, and not and They were in position to win all three of those games. And that and Zion Williamson didn't play in any of them. So you add him to that mix, you take away Bogdanovich, who was a sniper against the Pelicans in, in his games. You take away, um, I think, even Mike Conley, who only played in one of those games, and Drew Holiday only played in one of those games, I, I believe as well. So the Pelicans are a healthier team than they were in those games before. I think that they are a better team than... than uh, in this matchup against the Jazz, uh, I see Donovan Mitchell being able to, to take on those missing. I don't think Joe Ingles can defend Brandon Ingram um, as well on the wing. And I think the Pelicans defensively with Lonzo Holiday versus Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, I like them being great Mitchell. And then you put Zion Williamson into the mix. You add 20-plus points for the Pelicans. And those free throws, I think this is a a, a win a very winnable game for the Pelicans. I think it has to be, uh, Chris. And obviously, we know we're going to get uh, a lot of uh, Royce O'Neal. He's probably going to be starting there uh, if they bring Mike Conley off the bench. Or even if he starts, you might slide him into the three position. Uh, Tony Bradley's going to get significant minutes. He's somebody that uh, Zion had a lot of success against. Of course, Jordan Clarkson is someone to be concerned about. Uh, he's a guy who can get 15 points uh, pretty easily off the bench. Uh, Ed Davis might be somebody who's 
who's making you nervous? Of course, you got Drew Holiday locked on Donovan Mitchell. He's going to do his best. Uh, All pro and, and Rudy Gobert uh, locking the other side. But who's somebody we're not thinking of who you think could have a standout game in Boyan's place? Um, probably Joe Ingles. Is it, wait, wait, is Joe Ingles playing? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely Joe Ingles there. Um, in both matchups, so, I mean, pretty much in every matchup I've seen Joe Ingles against New Orleans, he kicks their ass. Um, whether he's standing behind the three-point line and he's being a spot-up shooter or he's destroying them as the ball handler in the pick and roll. And in those previous, in those, in those last two matchups that they played in New Orleans, Utah pick and roll New Orleans to death. And this was without, uh, this was, this was without Mike Conley. This was mainly between Bogdanovich and I know that, you know, that, that he will miss, he won't be around, but this was Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles consistently, uh, whether it was Rudy, Rudy Gobert coming to set the screen or it was, or it was Tony Bradley, they beat the hell out of New Orleans in those pick and rolls. And I, um, I think Joe Ingles is a guy, we know Donovan Mitchell is going to have his success. I mean, hell, he had a career high or, or tied his career high in their last matchup, dropping 46. Um, Ross O'Neal is a very good glue guy. But Joe, but Joe Ingles is a dude that on both sides of the floor – how smooth he is with the basketball, what he can do with it and off of and, and running around, getting off screens. Uh, I think he's a guy who could, you know, drop 25, 30 points on you out of, out of nowhere and uh, have you in a little bit of trouble. So he would, he would be the guy I'd be a little worried about. Oh God. Those are the screams I used to make when I'd cut myself shaving, you know where, but that was before Manscaped. Thanks Manscaped for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Look, who here doesn't get nervous about grooming their man parts? And that's why Manscaped created the Lawnmower 3.0, beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your family jewels. So many people have written in stories about how the Lawnmower 3.0 has changed their lives. They even included pics so I could see the smoothness for myself. And they aren't kidding. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? A home security system that's so complicated you never use it. This is exactly the type of security system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. They believe that simple is safer. And it's exactly why Simply Safe is the home security for right now when feeling safe at home has never been more important. Head to simplysafe.com slash team and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash team to make sure they know that our show sent you. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at betonline.ag. The NBA is right around the corner, and right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play. And BetOnline has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Rob, I'm worried about Joe Ingles, too, specifically in the pick and roll, as Chris Connor mentioned. Uh, you can find on Twitter... Uh, 
him kind of pick and rolling Brandon Ingram specifically to death on that end. And he does that very well uh, with Rudy Gobert. And that's going to be a difficult matchup uh, because uh, here's our B-ball index stat of the day. While uh, Brandon Ingram rates as an A- minus just in terms of um, his his versatility and those who he's asked to defend, uh, he's, he's asked to defend a wide variety of players. In terms of being hunted, uh, in isolation and in the pick and roll, uh, he also rates in the 81 percentile, meaning that teams target him uh, repeatedly on that end. How confident are you with Brandon Ingram's uh, game on that end and his ability to defend that pick and roll? I think he still struggles with the pick and roll. Um, but the adjustment for Utah is, again, who, who's on the other side of it. And so if Ingles – and it also depends on what position Ingles is playing. Is he playing at the three or the two? And, um, you know, so – I think that the Pelicans will have an adjustment and defensively uh, it's been strange because Utah has not played great defense at any of those games. They were all in the, in the hundred teams or the hundred twenties. Um, so I think both teams shooting the basketball becomes so important in these games, but I think Ingram can hedge a bit more with favors on the floor, healthy and with Zion on the floor, healthy, because I just don't think Utah has enough at that four spot without a guy like Bogdanovich who can get 31 points with no boards and no no assists <laughs> in a game. I mean, like, you have to be that kind of knockdown shooter, and I don't know if they have someone opposite Ingles to do that. All right, I'm going to transition away from here. I want to talk about uh, something Rondé Hollis-Jefferson of the Toronto Raptors said. Uh, I want to say it was last night, but it might have been two days ago. He was basically just challenging members of the media. Uh, they don't want to be the ones prompted to bring up social justice at, at every turn, every instance. They want the media to challenge them to do so and to ask those kind of critical questions. And right here, I can see the Utah Jazz. Every single member of their roster is uh, wearing a different name or a different representative metaphor um, that, that they want to convey to the audience that's going to be watching on Thursday night. Chris, do you think this is getting enough coverage or do you think the media is failing? What more can we do to bring light to this? I mean, I, I really, I really don't, don't know. Uh, in all, in all honesty, I, I was never one. I was never a, the person that thought that whether it would be the name changing or, uh, or logos or banners was, was going to do much for, the change and the overall attention that uh, this this needs. Now, I mean, if the question is from the from the media, I, I mean, it, it's a it, it's a tough situation because some of these guys are paid to ask basketball questions and they need they need quotes for their stories or whatever the case may be. But I mean, I think you are going to need more more individuals if, if they truthfully want change to ask some of these questions and go a little bit off topic. Um, like, um, like, like, uh, with, I'm, I'm forgetting the player that you, uh, that you just said. Ronnie Hollis Jefferson. Yeah. Okay. Ronnie Hollis Jefferson mentioned, um, you know, I mean, I, I think it's a question that, I mean, you look at the Pelicans, for example, I mean, you know, you don't think JJ Reddick would, you know, would sit there and have a, and be more than open to having, to having a, a discussion and talk about something different. Uh, I think he would, uh, but. I think it matters how it's how it's framed and where where exactly is it going. Can you find a balance? I mean, I'm you know I'm not sure. I I think that question might be perfect. It might be better for Grub, um, because you know you know he's he's in these he's in these conferences and he can probably read that read that room and that temperature and the setting a little bit better than I could to explain exactly uh, what could be done better. I should say, you know. 
Let me let me ask that to Grub. So, uh, Grub, you're in some of these Zoom calls specifically talking to the players. Do you feel as if it's your responsibility to cast a light on these issues, or do you think it's the players' uh, responsibility to volunteer it? No, I think it absolutely is my responsibility. It absolutely is, because my job is to create accountability as a journalist. And the only way you create accountability is by asking directly, you know, okay, um, what is going on? What are, what needs to be done from a player's perspective to continue this? What is the league doing? What is the league committed to? Are you planning to have conversations with ownership about putting together some concrete plans and timetables for change? Those are all questions the media can ask. And they have not been asked. And I would say it's been difficult for me in those situations where I have post-game. That's not the place for it in post-game. But during, you know, shoot-around, Pre-game, I think those are those are opportunities to do it because they're a bit more casual. Um, post-game, people are trying to get out of there, um, and I get that. So, yeah, it's just – but it needs to be done. I talk about it enough on the podcast, and I try to be active in asking those questions um, about to authority about these things. And the players, I think, need uh, to be prompted in those cases because, yeah, they're, they're, the, the expectation is – I'm going to get these questions and I know what they're going to be. They're going to be the same things. And, and by and large, they are, I think they are disappointed in us because we are letting in some ways the momentum die and truth means that you have to, you know, sometimes fan the flames by continuing to just ask the question. Yeah, I think that's important. And I also think it's 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 so difficult. I know the guys want to get out there, but also post-game is when you have the most eyes, specifically if, you know, let's say Brandon Ingram scores 49 points on 25 shots again. Every single one of us are going to be listening to hear what he has to say after that game. So I, I, I know it's a difficult time, but I feel like it's such a critical one. But that that one's not going to be you guys in that press conference. That's going to be, you know, Rachel Nichols on the sideline or, or uh, Malika Andrews or whoever. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they'll have sideline reporters, to be uh, quite honest. I, I'm anticipating somebody with like a stick with a with an ipad on the end of it yeah just like uh (laughs) holding it six feet uh away from themselves that the player can look directly at it and speak to malika through an ipad or something i have no idea what they're gonna do um chris let's talk a bit about uh the game has been involving just in terms of the way it's been displayed um last night you you had the, the 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 banner screen uh evolve from you know a score to to uh, uh, words to to faces of fans, and now they tell us that fans are going to be able to watch this live on cameras, and they're going to be able to react to gameplay. Uh, are you excited for this? Do you care? Do you think it's going to go well? What are you expecting? I don't know if this makes me weird or like pessimistic or just an asshole, but I can care less about the virtual fans. Yes. <laughs> like, I, like 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 at at no point at no point was I looking in the stands to to care about these these virtual fans it just it just it did not matter to me i i think if you if you love the game and you write about it you know you uh you play it you practice it you coach it, it you're focused on what's happening on the floor um i think some of the things that are cool like the uh you know you know the music that that they play to kind of you know between when the ball's coming up the floor or uh i, I think what game was it that i watched where they where uh, they put defense on the on the the little hockey boards up up there. <laughs> I mean, I guess that that was cool, you know. But I mean, to me, man, I'd watch basketball like at a jail, man. That that's just how much I love the game. I don't care who's around. I don't care what's you know what type of environment it is. 
you give me good basketball players, good talent. You give me a good, you know, a good system, good, good matchup. That's what I care about, man. So I, I, I think it's nice that they're trying to make all these things happen, but no one cares about virtual fans. No, no one does. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I, I think it's so incredible. Uh, that that board that they've built specifically for this space, I can't imagine uh, how much they put into it, how much they spent on it, what went into creating it. Uh, I think J.J. Reddick said it felt kind of like a movie set. Obviously, none of us have been there to see it. But Grub, just in terms of uh, your enjoyment of watch the television, uh, uh, watching the games on television, how would you rate it so far against what you saw last year in the uh, typical genre of the way a basketball game's presented? I'd say I like it better without fans. <laughs> I like the game so much better without fans. Oh, just not hearing. <laughs> and I hate this because people are going to be like, Grub is a terrible person. But for me, watching it on television, it's so much better to just see the court. I don't have to see angles. I don't have to see promos of people, you know, celebrities. I don't have to see any of that. I just get to look at the court. And the angles are so much more interesting. And there's space behind the basket. I love it. I love that part of it. Now, I am very leery of the virtual fans, too, because live stuff and people with a, knowing that they're one of 200, there's somebody's going to go for theirs and do something real bad on that screen. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I like watching it the way it is. I love the presentation. I just wish they would get a little more creative again with the angles um, with the, of play. But I, I love it. I love it. Now, Chris, I don't know if you get this on Fox Sports NOLA, but I watch on League Pass, and I get to see the dance cam. I get to see the the husband and wife couple who do those quick changes for 15 minutes straight, whoever's, like, balancing on a sphere or whatever. I get to yeah. see all that. Are, are, are you going to miss that aspect of these live games? What are they going to put in its place? Hmm. I, I, you know, and that's, that's, very, that's very interesting. I mean, it's it's – it's it's the world of magic, man. So I, I I mean I would I would assume that you know they give some type of performance. You know, I mean I I can't imagine. I mean Preston, you you live there. Is is Goofy gonna make an appearance? Are we gonna <laughs> see Donald? Are we gonna see Donald Duck? I mean I haven't seen Donald Duck in a very long time. I mean I'm not I'm not sure, man. I I, I don't think that those things really really drive me either. Every once in a while, because I do watch on League Pass actually, uh, more more times than not. And normally during halftime shows, you'll see fans shoot, you know, shooting the ball for like $200 or free beer, or you'll see, uh, you know, you'll see a bunch of terrible six-year-old play, uh, basketball players go out there and play a game of up to five and not get there. I, I mean, I, I don't, I, as, as long as they put up something, but I'm more than sure they have something, they, they're going to put up something there if there is going to be that um that you know you still get that that feeling of what you got before the before the pause where you can watch what's happening on the floor but I don't mean I don't know with everything that's going on with social distancing right now I don't know really what you could do I mean I I, I don't know I I have zero clue all right uh that that one was just for fun but I, I do think back to like the time the guy hit the midcourt shot uh, in, at the Miami, uh, he, I want to say it's the American airlines arena. I can't remember, but anyway, LeBron yeah. James jumped off the bench, bear hugged him and wrestled him to the ground. And that's, that. that's, yeah, that's just something that just can't happen anymore. Um, that's just, it's, it's a different not world. Anymore. It's right now. It's at least for the more, 
foreseeable future. It feels like that. I mean, it's it's only been four months, but it sure feels like it's been a hell of a lot longer. Uh, let's get out of here, Grub. Uh, I'm on Odd Shark right now, and it says the Pelicans are 1.4 uh, favorites. Do you think that's a bit on par? Yeah, I think I, I would agree with that. I, I think that they were. I think the percentages a few days ago because they weren't sure if Zion was going to be there had them at like 40% opportunity chance of winning. And now yeah, you put them at about even money. There's no home court advantage. I give it to the Pelicans. All right. We do have one question from Clint White that I want to give to Mr. Christopher B. Connor. Uh, oh, he's got two questions. Uh, so who are you stopping uh, Jordan Clarkson with? Uh, I know that we discussed Frank and, um, and Grubb said he's probably going to give him some minutes. Uh, but if, if Jordan jo- does start getting cooking early, let's say Etwan Moore's on the floor, uh, who is your best bet to, to lock him down when Drew Holiday's off the floor? Well, I mean, Jordan's a guy that when he gets hot and he's very streaky, he's a guy that he has a lot. He has so much in his bag that, uh, you know, when he gets hot, you're not, I don't know if you're necessarily going to look to to, to put someone on, on him to stop him necessarily. I don't see a situation where you put Drew on him or anything, but I mean, out of the reserve bunch, I mean, I think, I think Frank Jackson would probably be that guy. Um, if Lonzo's in the game, I think Lonzo, that, that size at length uh, could definitely be of use, you know, but Jordan's Jordan's the dude that he can help you or he can hurt you depending on what type of game he's going or what type of rhythm he's in. So if he does get hot, I mean, I'd go out there and either give Frank's energy or Lonzo's length. And I think that's enough to, you know, kind of hold things together. If he goes on one of those, you know, eight point individual runs or something like that, but I, I don't think it's anything that the Pelicans wouldn't be able to withstand. Jordan's not dropping 40 off the bench. They'll be all right. All right, Grub. Last question also from Clint White, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, basically, we were really excited to see Derek Favors uh, healthy. He he kind of was dealing with some lingering injuries over the course of the season. Uh, did did you feel like he had a bit more of a pep to his step? Did you Did you see any of that athleticism? Did he look more fluid in his motion? I think he, he looked like... Derek Favors. I mean, I, I don't think he was trying to overdo anything, but he was able to protect at the rim, you know, and Derek is not a shot blocker, but he protected at the rim. He ran the floor the way he normally does. He's not going to be the first one back. Um, so I thought he looked fine. Uh, and again, we don't know how hard any of them pushed, but he didn't look like he was laboring like he did early um, in the season. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, Grub, you can follow him at DM Grub. Uh, his podcast is Hard in the Paint. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe and rate it um, on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Grub, did I forget anything? I know you covered the recap the other day. Is there anything else you want to tell our listeners? No, we're good. It's uh, two episodes coming out today and then, uh, you know, more throughout the week. So, yeah, check it out. And I hope you enjoy it. Sweet. We also have the impatient bull, Mr. Christopher Connor. I know he's working on something long-term with uh, Kevin Berrios, which will come out after this season ends. But Chris, what else you got going on, man? Just talk to our listeners for a moment. Well, I, I, I just finished that wonderful baseball lineup, um, that, uh, well, that wonderful baseball Pelicans lineup, that is, uh, which I had a lot of fun with. Uh, I'm starting to do more, more basketball videos. I, I, I created a YouTube channel. Uh, and, just, and I put up some of my old videos that I had just to see what would happen. And my, uh, the Zion Lonzo video that I did is actually up to like 17,000 views on YouTube. 
So um, I think I'm going to start adding more things there. And hell, I mean, knowing Kevin, this this project is going to take a lot of time. So <laughs> um, I mean, I'm going to put my energy towards it, you know, do some recaps and um, you know, as these games go on, I'm sure I'll be inspired to write about, to write about something, uh, cause I, I do envision them playing well. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have some things cooking up. I'll be on some podcasts and, um, you know, go Pelicans, man. Sweet, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm Preston Ellis. You can follow me at Preston Ellis on Twitter. Uh, and of course, if you want to help us out, just uh, follow Chris Connor on his YouTube page, uh, David Grubb on Hard in the Paint. Uh, make sure you rate that and do the same for us at the Bird Calls. And if you already have, grab somebody else uh, and pay it forward to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back with you guys. I'll have some kind of preview with somebody from Utah in the next couple of days. But until then, thanks for listening. Let's dance. Let's go, pals. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today black lives matter and we're continuing to do our part here at the bird calls that's why we've created the armchair all american scholarship thanks to contributions from armchair myself music is my refuge r anders 36 andrew juge ralph malbro and many more armchair media will be issuing four $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring black creatives. The criteria is African-American, under 21, and in a creative field. To apply, send something you've created, whether photography, art, music, anything, to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. We can't wait to see your application.